This is the Frontline Ready Podcast by Healing Acres, Inc. First responder and other frontline worker career fields all come with stressors that can make coping and work-life balance difficult. We will explore these career fields with peer guests and other professionals and look at the many options available to help with coping and overall wellness. While this podcast will have an optimistic and positive outlook toward the future of frontline coping and wellness, it is possible the topics discussed may trigger emotional reactions. Please take a moment to consider what supports or resources you have available should you need it while listening to this podcast. There's also a list of resources on our website, www.healingacres.world, if you need them. Just click on the resources tab. Please enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Frontline Ready Podcast by Healing Acres, Inc. We're going to talk about the importance of overall health, wellness, and positive coping of frontline workers in our stressful career fields. This first episode, we are going to talk about the development of stress throughout a career in frontline work, uh, the types of individuals that get into frontline work, and what they expect versus what the reality of frontline work is, and how to uh, engage in positive coping throughout a frontline career field. I'm Adam Anderson, president of Healing Acres. Uh, I'm a longtime frontline worker. I've worked in law enforcement. I've worked in the schools. I've worked in human services and adult protective services and mental health crisis response. I've seen many different avenues of coping with stress in the different career fields. And when I got involved with human services and mental health crisis response, it really made me realize how important uh, positive coping and good coping skills are, especially for frontline workers. So it kind of became a passion of mine. And we have Gerilyn Stevens, who is the vice president of Healing Acres and also a counselor. And she's going to discuss many uh, different coping methods and types of stuff like that with us. So Gerilyn, if you could introduce yourself real quick. Sure. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, my name is Gerilyn Stevens, and I'm a licensed professional uh, counselor and psychotherapist. Um, I, my specialty is trauma. So I'm a certified clinical trauma professional and I'm also, um, a certified brain spotter, which is a technique for trauma resolution. And the brain spotting, you went to a pretty intense, what was it? Two week training? Where was it? Arizona or something like that? I got clinically certified last April in Sedona, Arizona. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. And actually in a future episode, I'm hoping to try out brain spotting. Uh, with a brain spotting person, Fantastic. counselor, and uh, I'm going to talk about that experience. And it's that's very similar to EMDR, correct? Most people are familiar with EMDR, but not brain spotting. Most people know EMDR. It's very um, evidence-based and empirically backed. Brain spotting is EMDR 2.0. So there isn't as much, um, you know, evidence um, that it works uh, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, though, that it actually works a little bit better than EMDR. Okay. And um, so there's lots of studies coming out that kind of prove that. So it's, ex oh, it's an exciting time for brain spotting. I bet it is. And I'm excited to try it in the future and, you know, talk okay. about it on this podcast. It's going to be really, really neat, I think. I think that's so cool that you're going to do that. You know, might as well, right? <laughs> um, so Healing Acres, real quick, came to be. Uh, out of an idea, well, you know, the idea that 
frontline workers in all these different career fields really need to work together because there's different levels of coping in each career field and some cope better than others. So there's less stigma in different career fields. And if we can all work together as a team to come together, share our experiences with coping and wellness, uh, I think we can make a lot of progress. Um, and I'll talk about my own personal experiences and future podcasts throughout the years of frontline work that I've done. We're going to have peer speakers, uh, professionals, doctors. We're going to have all kinds of people coming on the podcast to explore the different avenues of coping and healing. It's going to be really neat. Uh, so I kind of want to start off talking about the type of person that gets into frontline work, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these are community members that step up and say, hey, I'm willing to get into this career field. Maybe having some idea that it could be stressful, you're going to be dealing with the community, you're going to be dealing with tragedy and things of that sort. Uh, you know, motivated people that care about others. Uh, do, from your standpoint, Gerilyn, did, have you heard of any, you know, personality type or anything like that of people that tend to get into uh, these frontline career fields? Yeah, I think frontline workers are so much, it's such a broad group of people, mm -hmm. but frontline workers, I think, you know, really are those big hearted people. Yeah. They really are caring, compassionate and they really are passionate about seeing and making a difference in their community um, in, in a big way, right? So obviously we think about officers and um, veterans and um, EMTs. I also think it extends to doctors and nurses, childcare workers, um, therapists, because we are holding all of that for the people that we serve. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's really people who just have a real passion for helping others. Right. For sure. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, you're on the board, of course, you're the vice president. And, you know, yeah. when we started, our list was a lot smaller than now uh, of what qualifies as a frontline worker. Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm glad I have you and the other board members to have discussed this with, and you all have brought up a lot of different career fields that should qualify to receive services and trainings and whatnot through Healing Acres. And we have a whole bunch, like you said, I mean, we even have foster care providers on there, you know, members of the it too. Yeah. It was Pastor. really surprising. Right. As we brainstormed all the different groups of people that could potentially be a frontline worker. Exactly. Cause I don't know how many times I've been on a scene as a law enforcement officer and you have uh, clergy coming out. That, mm -hmm. that are consoling people and helping people. Uh, so it, they're really, as you think about it, there's a whole lot of people that should be uh, considered frontline workers, like people from managed care organizations that that help people with uh, disabilities and Absolutely. all kinds of things. I mean, it's, to, I mean, there's probably about 15, 20 different fields right now on our list right here, which is really neat. Um, so as we grow, I'm sure we'll add some more. I think... You know, an, a, another way of thinking about it from a trauma perspective, you know, um, there's there's trauma and there's also secondary trauma. Yes. Which, um, you know, is you don't actually have to experience the thing. Yes. That's traumatic. It can be hearing it or seeing it or watching other people go through it. 
Yes. And that is why frontline workers are at the most risk for PTSD or for traumatic stress injury. Yes. Um, because even though it's not happening to them, just by responding to those scenes, they have the potential to absorb that trauma. So it's it's a huge amount of people. It really, anybody who serves, I think, could be a frontline worker. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I, you have said that before in a training we've done. Uh, that frontline wellness training, I believe yeah. it was, um, that first responders and frontline workers are the most traumatized people in society, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> right? And they um, are the least likely to come in and oh, get help. Geez. Yeah. Which, and I am so glad that's changing uh, here in Wisconsin, at least. Um, I'm heading out to the peer support, first inaugural peer support conference. Wisconsin is doing some huge things with uh, creating peer support teams through a through a grant uh, all over the state. I mean, there's some really cool stuff happening and just the things I've been involved with, uh, I've seen a lot more openness. Um, yeah, that's the- great that it's finally starting to shift. It's amazing. So I, I want to get your opinion on this. Now that you mentioned that stuff, uh, I read an article recently that talked about the difference between tragedy and trauma. Mm. And I, I was kind of wanting to understand this a little better and get your opinion on it that when first responders and frontline workers respond and they see something that happened to other people, it's considered tragedy. They're seeing Mm -hmm. tragedy. And when it happens to them, it's considered trauma. Um, So I was trying to wrap my mind around that. And I was thinking when you see it, it's tragedy, but that also traumatizes you. Like you said, Mm -hmm. secondary traumatic stress, right? right? So, So you're seeing tragedy and that seeing tragedy is traumatizing you traumatizing you yeah or it can potentially you know right right and in both of those instances you may need some help finding resolution to that yeah yeah that makes sense uh and i guess going into that like so a person starts their career they're very excited you know caring people that are getting into this and 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 really excited about helping others Mm -hmm. uh sometimes maybe they kind of get an idea of what to expect going into these career fields. But once they get in, they realize just how involved it is and just how much it can have an effect on their wellness, their mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of times, you know, we're expected to, you know, we, we feel that, okay, if I can't handle this, it's, they're not going to think my employers aren't going to think I can't handle my job. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's, you know, really the first few years you're, you're really excited about the job. And then after that, it kind of starts to, to build the, uh, the traumas. I mean, I'm not saying you can't experience traumas in the first few years. I've seen plenty of uh, people come in and experience some really traumatic stuff right off the bat. So what's that? It it, it adds up. Yes. And I kind of liken trauma. First of all, if I can give a working definition of trauma. Trauma stems from two things, shame and fear. Okay. So if you've ever um, experienced shame or ever experienced fear, congratulations, you have trauma. Okay. I think our minds, when we think of trauma, automatically go to PTSD, right? So PTSD is not a diagnosis that's handed out easily. Most people don't have PTSD, but basically everybody on the planet has some kind of traumatic stress injury. Okay. And uh, it stems, it starts one little ping, right? Like 
if you've ever, one little thing, right? If you've ever seen a crack in a windshield, it starts off as one little dot, but if it's not taken care of, it will spider web out. And trauma can really be like that too. So, you know, as, as a frontline worker is going through their career, you know, it makes a lot of sense that the first few years you might have a lot of um, pep as you're able to kind of like um, get through that and manage that, but it builds up over time. And that's where burnout can happen. Yeah. I I like the terms cumulative stress and compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. Those are huge. Right. And I like putting a name. uh, I've always found that putting a name to what you're feeling really validate you understand you know I mean? it yeah for me at least throughout the years once i started learning these terms and learning it's a thing that i'm actually experiencing i, I could like oh I, then i could consciously wrap my mind around it and it was easier for me to work on it because i mm-hmm. knew what was happening mm-hmm. um, and that it's a normal occurring thing too yes because i feel like so many frontline workers don't even know. First of all, you're stacked before you even start because everyone has trauma to begin with, right? Right. Which is already going to be coloring your perception of things. Okay. And then, you know, um, once you start the job and they start to accumulate, you might not even know that this is happening over time. So, and then I feel like um, a lot of people just, they just don't have the education. They just don't understand what's happening until maybe it's too late. So um, understanding that you, this is your, like, it's a really common experience right? and, and putting a name on it and understanding that like, this is actually a thing that right. lots of people go through. It's, it's an expected thing too, when you're working in these job fields right. and make it more, like you said, more validating and easier to wrap your head around. Yeah. And I like what you said about slowly building this stuff up because Mm-hmm. As you slowly build it up, you don't realize you're changing. Like you said, right. you know, that anger, jaded, cynical attitude, you slowly build up. You, you feel like you're not changing, right? right. But, but if you really take a look at yourself, you're like, oh my gosh, maybe I am a little bit jaded, cynical, mm-hmm. angry, and maybe I need to go find some positivity and work on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, I think that can be hard. Like you said, I was actually recently just talking to someone about that, who was, was speaking on on their uh, history in front of is is interesting. Um, so speaking of, um, I want to talk about how a person can begin to realize what they're going through. And so I'll just tell you one of my tactics that I've built up over the years. And I don't know if this is kind of like me doing cognitive behavioral therapy on myself or what, but uh, it's what I try to do is constantly evaluate how I'm reacting to things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm if I have a stressor in front of me, whether it's a situation or a person that might be loud and obnoxious and yelling at me or whatever it is, right? I'm in the situation, which can be a little difficult, but it, it gets easier with time. I what I do is I practice how am I feeling about this right now? Mm-hmm. Um, am I having a, an anger response? Am I annoyed with this person? And if I am should I show that in my response to this situation? And the answer is usually no, right? Like as the professional, you don't want to show anger back to the person. You don't want to uh, come back condescendingly on the person because you yourself are feel attacked, right? 
we're going to get attacked. People are going to call us all kinds of names and say all kinds of things about us. And it's very easy if you're not paying attention to your own internal state and feelings to come back at that person with an insult or condescendingly or aggravate the situation. And then you're in a power struggle, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing I do, okay, in a situation, I do that so that I can uh, de-escalate a little bit and have a positive, a response to them that's not going to escalate things and, and it's going to fix the situation. And then when I'm not in situations and I'm at home, uh, if, if I'm feeling anxious or, uh, you know, upset, I'm like, what is causing this? Because I think a lot of times we are unable to really know what is actually causing us to feel anxious, mm -hmm. but then you consider your environment and what what's bothering you and maybe what it relates to in the past or whatever that's causing that. So like this real introspection and contemplating your own inner thoughts and, and ways of being and reactions, I think has helped me a whole lot. I think that's really, really good. I think it really starts even with just noticing how your body is feeling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anxiety, depression can manifest in different ways. A lot of people, you know, will have a heavy chest or um, an upset stomach or um, they might feel tension in their shoulders or their neck. Right, right. Just noticing those things. That is your body speaking to you and telling you that something isn't right. You know, yeah. so just listening to your body, but then noticing your emotions too. Are you feeling anxious? Are you worrying all the time? Are you feeling sad or bad about yourself? Most of the time, those are all symptoms of anxiety and depression, which is so, so, so common in our culture today. And right. we still really aren't talking about it. Right. You know, so um, if you're not sure what's wrong, a tactic or an intervention that I like to use a lot is set a timer for yourself for five minutes. And for five minutes, you just write, you just write everything that you're thinking about, everything that's on your mind, everything you're feeling, everything. You're just writing from, you know, kind of an autotomic place. You're just getting it out. You're just writing for five minutes. Okay. Timer goes off. You take a step back, read what you wrote. Set another timer for five minutes. And for that five, that next five minutes, write from a higher place, right? So like you're responding to that first initial writing. It might help to think of it as you're writing a response to your best friend or to somebody that you really care about. What advice would you give them? What knowledge do you have? And sometimes that can really help you identify what's actually going on, what's underneath it. Right. Yeah. That's really neat. And, you know, now that you've mentioned that, uh, you know, as you know, we put on that um, painting, mm -hmm. what, what we call painting therapy session uh, yeah. through Healing Acres and had some frontline workers come in and, of course, work with your friend, Amber. Yeah. Uh, Amber and Falls. She's wonderful. It, it, and that's a, something we're going to talk about a lot at Healing Acres is these alternative methods of therapy. Mm -hmm. Amber is a counselor, but uh, she's an art therapist. Art therapist. Yeah. Okay. And that was a really neat class because you could <laughs> you could paint and draw, and then also Amber, one of my favorite techniques. Yeah. Is it? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So th those are really good for trauma resolution because um, your amygdala, which is the part of your brain they call it your reptile brain, that's where trauma is stored. Mm -hmm. Your amygdala 
doesn't understand words, ration, reason, thinking. That's actually way up at the top of your brain, your prefrontal cortex. So there's two different parts of your brain. They can't really talk. They literally doesn't understand words. We can talk about this stuff until you're blue in the face and it's not going to do very much. It's kind of like handing somebody a knife and asking them to eat soup. It's the wrong tool. You really need to be using bottom-up approaches, which is what art therapy is. So your amygdala can't understand words, but it can kind of understand metaphor and it can kind of understand image and color and things like that. So that's why it can be really, really effective in working through and helping those things that are maybe deeper down come up to the surface. That's really interesting. And now that you're explaining that, I see why she did what she did when we had that uh, session with the painting. And then, like you were saying, she had people write for a few minutes, just mm-hmm. everything that came out. So it's really neat that you were mentioning that. And that I can say more about that too. Yeah. So writing, especially after your painting and all of that, forces you to go from your right brain, which is very like um, fluid, right? It's, it's your emotional center. It's very abstract. It right. forces you to go from your right brain to your left brain, the part that's very rational and reasonable, reasonable and um, concrete, right? So you're forcing abstract thoughts and ideas, which maybe have been floating down at the bottom of your amygdala. And now you painted and, you know, and got some of that up and it's yeah. forcing it to go to the left brain where it's becoming concrete words. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, this stuff is so interesting. And I've, I've become really intrigued with, mm-hmm. uh, with everything that happens in the brain with, uh, with these emotions. Like when you're responding to a scene and you get a big flood of adrenaline mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, cortisol levels and your, uh, your body's ability to recover from that, you know, your parasympathetic yes. nervous system kicking yeah. in. Uh, I mean, this is something we're going to explore in depth in this podcast series down the road. And we're going to get some uh, people in here who are experts in the brain and how it releases the chemicals and recovers from that. And uh, it's, I'm really excited for that. And I'm really excited to do more of the alternative healing type stuff like paint therapy. And there's a a sound therapy uh, practitioner here or nearby that I'm going to go ask if they want to talk about how that works. I mean, one of my favorite things is, uh, listening to music. Uh, what's that channel? It's, it's funny. I'll actually lay down and I'm going to pull it up right now. It's on Pandora Mm. soothing Chi radio. That's what I listen to. Nice. Yeah. Some of the things that work best for me are sound and, Oh, I turned it on. That's funny. (laughs) Our, our sound and also pleasant smells, you know, Yes. Just, uh, yeah. Those are two things that are really, especially smell is something that um, a lot of practitioners will um, use for anchoring or grounding. Okay. Yeah. Because it ties you to your physical body, but music also um, there's a lot of theory on that in brain spotting. We use bilateral sound music, um, which, oh my gosh, there's so much that could be a whole episode in itself. Yeah. On bilateral sound beats. How right, it we'll yeah. <laughs> Both <laughs> sides of your brain. I don't 
understand it probably you should ask the sound practitioner okay but it is so interesting it stimulates both sides of your brain all parts of your brain really and encourages you to relax but also drop deeper into your amygdala oh, and then right. encourage reprocessing oh, so i need to get some of that it's super super <laughs> i need to get cool. some tracks you probably are listening to it they put it in a lot the only thing is you have to listen um with headphones on yes. because sometimes you hear it in one ear and sometimes you hear it in the other and it kind of switches back and forth you it's know, very that, interesting huh now that you mentioned that that's what i do is i i put my earbuds in because that to me allows the sound yeah i'm experiencing it very closely and really allows for relaxation mm -hmm. So it's interesting you mentioned that because that's how I do it is I, I plug my earbuds in and that provides the best results. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into that megahertz, you know, different megahertz and frequencies and um, yeah. frequencies um, will um, influence us in different ways too. There's like alpha waves and beta waves and delta waves and all of those help. They do different things to our bodies. Yeah. I know a little bit about it, oh. um, but not well enough to explain it in a right. very well. It's going to be it's going to be so fun finding the experts and having them talk on the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. You reminded me of the a funny story because the first time I heard the uh, what do you call it? Where it's the different ears, the sound bilateral sound music. Yeah, bilateral. So I was scrolling through TikTok and but bilateral music popped up. And I, I just sat there and listened to it. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I texted you. I'm like, hey, have you have you seen this bilateral processing? And you were like, every single day. Every single you know day. I mean? you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, it's just really cool. I had to, you know. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, but I just get excited about it, you know. And then, like, I know you have expertise. So I'm like, hey, Gerald, did you see this? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, actually it's a very core part of trauma resolution right it's right cool. awesome. yeah so uh I, i'm really excited to explore this stuff more um i guess real quick can we talk about you know it, when a person realizes that maybe they need to see someone or they need some help mm -hmm. uh what are some of the options out there i mean you mentioned brain spotting but what other types of therapy tend to work for people. Yeah. Yeah. We we've already touched on all of this, but um, well, I just want to normalize therapy, 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 therapy. Everyone should have a therapist. Um, it is a great form of self-care. Even if you don't have anxiety or depression, um, just having a neutral person that you can go to and talk to or vent to a good therapist is, you know, your cheerleader and an advocate for you. And it doesn't mean that, you know, they're like um, letting you walk all over or not calling you out on truth, but someone to like hold space for you as you are going through difficult situations and figuring out what makes sense to you and offering interventions if you need them, you know, that are helpful. So, um, Everyone should have a therapist. Even therapists have therapists. So, right, right. yeah, um, get a therapist. Everyone needs one. Um, yeah. And what was the other part of the question, Adam? Oh, different specific um, types of therapies that really work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I am obsessed with brain spotting. Brain spotting changed my life. Right. My my healing story started when I became a brain spotting therapist. Oh, nice. um, and when I took that that first training, um, so much so that I, you know, have devoted my life to this technique. Oh, that's good. And yeah. Um, and I get to watch people heal with it seven days a week. Art therapy also works great. Yeah. And, um, you know, EMDR, some people will tell you that it's better. I'm impartial. <laughs> I just really love it. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. Other, you know, anything that's going to focus on the bottom up approach, right? So we're targeting the amygdala okay. and encouraging it um, to come up. But also, you know, learning coping skills. And, you know, if you need to have someone work through that with you and teach you and help you practice and hold you accountable, that's also where a therapist can be great. Okay. Um, but when it comes to self-care, even just like noticing things that you like to do or setting boundaries yeah. or saying no or communicating really well, you know, right. is self-care also. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. And I think that that's important is to know when you can handle stuff, when you've got too much on your plate, when you need to say, hey, I just can't, I can't do this right now. I need to take some time. I need to focus on these other things that are really important to my work-life balance. And I can't add something else to my plate, stuff like that. Absolutely. Because you can't pour from an empty cup. Oh my gosh. I just heard that this last <laughs> week from someone. I helped with the CIT crisis intervention team training last week and someone yeah. said that same thing and it's been on my mind. That is so amazing. I that like is that. one of my favorite. I teach that every day of the week and try to live it myself. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to, you have to notice, especially as a helper, as a frontline worker, you have to put yourself first. And that's really hard to swallow, right? That's really hard for us. You know, we're very like conditioned to be like, no, 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 no. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help. Like it's selfish. It's not selfish to take care of yourself. Right. Um, because you can't pour from an empty cup. When you take care of yourself, when you invest in yourself, you can be a better worker. You can right. be a better helper. You can be a better mother, father, partner, wife, husband, all of that. Right. If you are run down, you're not going to be functioning at your, you know, your top high self capacity. Right. And we need you. We need our frontline workers to be their best selves. Yes. Which I think is part of the mission of Healing Acres is yes. to encourage all of us to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another tendency of frontline workers, whatever your career field, you really want to be a valuable part of the team and be able to do a good job and, and, you know, have people recognize I'm able, and that is important, but in order to be able to do your job, like you said, yes, you need to take care of yourself. You will mm -hmm. be so much better. Uh, one thing I wanted to say about seeking counseling and therapy whatever it may be is, and over the years I've experienced this because I, I mean, I've gone to plenty of counselors over the years. I've been in frontline work for a long time and I have a degree, an undergraduate degree in psychology. So I'm a little more apt to realize when I need some help and be willing to seek it, you know, which I'm thankful for, but I have had some doozies of counselors where I've gone in this person and I just, what they're saying just doesn't jive. And it's just, we're not on the same wavelength. And I, I don't feel that I, after a couple sessions, I don't feel I'm getting anything from it. I think that's very normal is if you don't jive with the person, 
Yeah. It doesn't mean there's nobody out there that can help you. It means no, that you need to find right. the one because once That's I, right. yeah, once, absolutely. Once I, I am so adamant about that. I think the, actually they, this is like foundational. They teach you in graduate school is that therapeutic rapport is the most important factor to making therapy work. Finding the right therapist, you know, is like <laughs> finding a best friend. It's like yeah. finding a partner. It's like finding the right, you have to find the right person. So it's okay to keep looking. It's okay to find your therapist and your person that works really good for you and techniques that work for you. Cause there's a lot of therapists who, you know, um, they're just not going to be a fit. They're not. It doesn't mean they're bad therapists. It means they're human. Right. (laughs) They may be very good for other people, but it's just not for you. You know, absolutely. Not, not every therapist is going to be every person's cup of tea. Yeah. It's like not every, you know, you go on a date. It's not always going to be a fit. Right. If you go on a blind date, yeah, you know, right. exactly. <laughs> Whatever. Sense, yeah. so <laughs> you have to, you have to be open-minded and you have to be able to be like, I'm just going to keep looking, yeah. but it, it's a commitment to wellness and to taking care of yourself. Yes. And you know, it's funny. Cause I mean, I've had some real bad ones that just, I had one <laughs> guy, he was a doctorate level and mm-hmm. he would just come in and talk at me like he was teaching a psychology class and just mm-hmm. explain things that I didn't relate. And I was like, I'm out of here, man. This stuff, You're not helping <laughs> me. You're teaching me a psychology class. Get out of here. Yeah. But uh, then I had a really good one that, okay. The, the thing that I like to tell people is if you're struggling or you, I mean, you don't even have to be struggling real bad. Even if you just want some advice or figure mm-hmm. out a situation in life, you don't have to go to a counselor forever even, but like I had a really good one that when I went in there, I would tell him my thoughts and he would challenge them just the right way. We, we clicked very well. Yeah. He challenged them just the right way. And I, I describe it like this. Like if you're at the bottom of a hole and you don't have any way to get out or you're looking up, you might not be able to see what's at the top. So you might not be thinking correctly until you have someone come and say, Hey, there's a ladder right here. You know, like, it's like, you can't see the full situation yourself. You may have thoughts about how things are, but when you get an outside perspective, it yeah. makes you rethink, oh, I'm not seeing this correctly. You know what I mean? Gorgeously said. That's a great metaphor for it. And like, you know, it goes back to that, that therapeutic rapport is so important. A good therapist, when you have good rapport is like the piece of broccoli in your teeth. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You can't, once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? Then you have to do something about it. But a good therapist calls you out on your blind spots. They, you know, they call you out on the things that you're not seeing and helps you without judgment, figure out the best way of moving forward at the pace that's, that's right for you. I have, you know, the clients that like, I have, I love my clients They, you know, I just, I love my clients and, you know, the ones that I have the best rapport with, it's, it doesn't feel hard. I can say things to them that maybe aren't the easiest to say. And it's um, received because it's such a good, we like each other, you know, and we have such trust with each other that you can say those things in a, in a way that 
is not, it's not going to be the end of the world. So fine, you know, but it's just about finding the person right. who can show you the ladder, right? Yeah. And, and help you work through that. But you got to do the work yourself, you know? Exactly. And- <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing is don't expect the counselor to just fix you without you putting some effort in, right? Oh, actually, I tell all my clients the first time they come in that I'm not here to fix you. I'm not here to heal you. I'm not here to give you advice. I don't give advice. Um, because it's not my life. And what I would do is actually completely irrelevant. I don't think, like, I can't fix you, one, because I'm not that powerful, <laughs> but also yeah. you're not broken, you know? Yeah, you're right, not right. broken. Yeah. Um, and I, I really feel because um, I literally get to watch people heal with brain spotting every single day that right. our bodies know how to heal, our emotions know how to heal. Right. And just giving somebody that space, that non-judgmental um, space right. to do the work that they need to do yeah. is almost, it's its like a sacred thing. You know, it's so, um, it's a privilege to right. get to be that person who holds space and, and, and watch people heal. And because you can, it, healing is a real thing. It yeah. is a real genuine thing for sure. and and uh, but having the right therapist is a piece of that finding the person who can give you that oh that's great mm-hmm. well thanks for that i think this is all really important uh i think you know i think you and i could talk for probably four hours on i think so <laughs> like how excited <laughs> we are about this stuff um so we're gonna have oh so many more episodes exploring a lot of the things we talked about every we're gonna just any healing option, we're going to look into it, see what it's all about. And mm-hmm. so stay tuned for all that. Uh, you know, I would say if you're starting to look for options, uh, looking if your agency has an EAP program, uh, peer support team, critical incident stress management team. The Psychology uh, Today is another great resource. Is it? Yes. Oh, great. That's good to know. You can put in um, keywords. For the type of therapist you're looking for, and you local options, it will give you local options. Oh, that is awesome! Check yeah. that out, and then make <laughs> sure to call your insurance and ask mm-hmm. about in-network providers. You know, that's know. how a lot of people find me. They find me on their insurance panels. Oh, so, great! Yeah, and that's good stuff. So, all right, everybody, thank you for joining us. I, I wish we could talk more because I mean, Gerald and I could go on and on about this stuff, um, but. Check out www.healingacres.world. There's a link to our Facebook page uh, at the bottom. You can click on uh, like our Facebook page to stay up to date. We post a lot of stuff there. We post stuff under the trainings uh, tab on our website. Things that are coming up, we have uh, peer speakers. We're going to be adding to that as well. You can check that out on the peer speaker tab on our website. And just stay tuned for more podcasts. This is going to be a great adventure, and we're happy to be a part of exploring wellness uh, here in Wisconsin.